What's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk-Ons Podcast. It's your friendly neighborhood host, Ryan Reeves, here with you once again. It's Thursday, March 18th, and more importantly than that, it is officially tourney time once again. we got a great show on tap for you guys with all kinds of March Madness talk, NFL free agency, and a lot more. Plus, for those of you looking to put a wager or two down on the tourney this year and not lose your lunch in the process, you're not going to want to miss our guest today. We've got Drew Schaefer-Crookston from the West Coast Gamblers Podcast joining us a little bit later. But first things first, Andrew Schuster, we made it, man. Two years, two-year wait, and March Madness is finally back on us, and it feels spectacular. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get to tournament talk, though, I do want to let Bill Belichick know I am also a free agent, and I will take the Patriots' money if he's looking for a towel boy or a cheerleader or just some type of guy to be on the sideline and, and uh, you know, do whatever. So I'll Buddy, take his money. He's spending money like a scorned lover. I, I haven't seen this side of him. It's it's nice. Yeah, I'll be his scorn lover if, if I get a, you know, seven-figure paycheck. So yeah, whatever it takes. Call right? me, Bill. <laughs> well, hey, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. And I, that is a great topic. I love what's what's happening with the NFL free agency. It's a total frenzy. But the, the big, big story here, and it's many stories, but the NCAA tournament is back. Now, there's a lot of places we could go with this, right? But kind of just looking through the bracket right now, I mean, it's, it's something we've touched on leading up to the tourney. It's sort of that lack of traditional powers on the top line this year right you know no Kentucky no Duke first time since 1976 Michigan State UCLA are actually playing later tonight at that play-in game um, which is pretty wild that'll be a fun one but what's what's your feeling around sort of this this new look tourney for this year you know you've got Baylor up there you've got Illinois as a one certainly Gonzaga's back but um, in terms of the Kentucky Duke you know having having this year off it, it does this feel like something where maybe, you know, is there a larger issue going on with these programs or is this maybe just a one-off kind of a crazy year that, you know, they, they just didn't get the job done? Well, I, I hope it's a, a larger issue and Kentucky and Duke are no longer competitive, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. I just think there's more parity in college basketball, which I think is a great thing. And obviously we don't remember it because the tournament didn't happen last year. But if you remember, there would have been a similar situation last year with like San Diego State, Baylor, Gonzaga, a lot of these same teams would have been the, you know, the one and the two seeds had we gotten a tournament. So it's not like this was a one-off thing. These are, you know, and a lot of these teams are like the same teams from last year that decided, hey, we'll run it back next year when we're going to get a chance to play. So I think it's just the rise in parity, and especially with schools like Gonzaga, which are, is a mid-major, like it's no longer just the five or six biggest schools getting the best recruits dominating the, the bracket each year. Yeah, I like that you said that, you know, that that mentality of kind of running it back, right? I'm thinking Baylor, you know, especially they've been, really in the basement of the big 12 for years, they had a great run last year. They were looking like one of the best teams in the country and lo and behold, you know, the, the season gets stopped down. I felt bad for a lot of those guys, but you know, in the essence of running it back, I guess everybody on that Baylor team, and this is probably the case with a lot of these successful teams that have, have come back is, you know, they, they basically made a pact. I believe that, you know, no girlfriends where we're going to just stay together as a team. We're not going to have any outside distractions. So those dudes, I mean, they were serious about running it back and here they are as a number one seed as a, a you know a big favorite one of the top four four or five favorites so you know it, it's nice to see some of these guys taking what was a lost year and not just kind of you know whining about themselves or taking you know taking their talents to the nba these guys were serious about it they ran it back and here they are so it, it, it's exciting to see but really quickly back to you know this idea of duke and kentucky i'm sure you you especially as a UNC fan would love to see Duke just kind of mired in mediocrity for years to come. But, you know, guys like Coach K, Coach Cal, their message has kind of always been, 
um, you know, next man up and they're bringing in, you know, they're, they never retool. They, they just restock. Right. And I wonder if maybe are we at a, are we at a point in time now where some of that rhetoric is maybe getting old and falling on deaf ears? Is it maybe time for one of those guys to, to move on to a new situation? I mean, I, I hope so. Um, I also want to point out with this, with coach K a couple years ago when they had Zion and RJ and Cam Reddish, they were all that anyone could talk about in college basketball. It seemed like they were a typical Duke team that was just dominant. But if you looked outside those star players, that was one of the worst Duke rosters in a, I can remember. Yeah. And as soon as Zion went out in that shoe game or his shoe burst, you saw it. I mean, North Carolina destroyed them. So I actually don't think this is the first year where Duke has had a subpar roster outside of the McDonald's All-Americans on their team. And when those guys don't step up, and you see with Kentucky too, like they don't have the veteran leadership because their backing guys aren't playing. I mean, Duke might have a senior guy that's been with the program the, all four years, but he's played with four different freshman classes that have taken all the playing time. So you see like specifically this year with COVID and, and impacting practice time, the amount of you know freshmen not having the experience needed to get through a tough season like this. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's one of those we've, it's been going on and it just hasn't been as apparent because we had the Zion year where they weren't amazing with those three players, but they just didn't have the depth outside of there's a McDonald's all Americans. Now I don't think coach, I mean, coach K can't get fired. Like he just, he is Duke basketball, but he is getting up in age and I could see it. If he has another year or two like this, where it's just tough and he's at this point in his age where he's like, is it even worth it to still be coaching? I've coached for going on almost like 40, 50 years. I could definitely see him stepping down sooner rather than later. And same with Coach K or uh, Coach Cal, especially if, like, again, not is the same success that they're used to. Yeah, that's the bet you make is, is one of those big schools, right, going all in on, on the sort of one-and-done guys instead of trying to groom younger players who maybe weren't as, as highly recruited, right? And, you know, like, like a team like Baylor that you, you take takes your shots on some younger guys that have room to grow, and they, you know they're going to stay there two, three, four years. Uh, I think, you know, some of that, that, that youth is starting to show in, in some of these blue blood programs, but you know, let's, let's shift from there and let's, let's talk about what, something that everybody loves come tourney time. We're talking Cinderella's, we're talking dancing. So I'm looking at this bracket. I can see a lot of Cinderella's, you know, there, there've been a ton of reports of, you know, who, who the, uh, the BPI metrics and the Ken Palm metrics, who they favor in the tourney. First and foremost, what do you look for? What does Andrew Schuster look for when he's picking a Cinderella in the tourney? Well, you know what? And this is kind of dependent on me watching a lot of these teams. But for me, it's just an eye test on some level. Like you can just tell how guys carry themselves and how they play. If their style of play will translate, one, against better competition, and two, in the spotlight. Because as much as these guys are talented basketball players, like they're not playing ACC games where it's nationally televised and everyone in the country sees it. Or the same with the Big Ten, Big 12. So these mid-major schools, like these guys are suddenly playing. Now I know there's no fans this year at the or 10% or whatever the capacity is, but you know, to go suddenly playing from mid-major school to being nationally televised on CBS, like that's really tough to do. So you're just watching guys how they carry themselves, like you can just tell when a good team is legitimately good and it's not just them maximizing their matchups versus lesser opponents. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's it's so easy to get lost up in all of the stats and these sort of predictions and these rebound margins, free throw percentage, you know, offensive points per game. Um, you know, you can start to get lost in the shuffle and it just becomes a matter of, all right, well, you're watching these guys play basketball. Do they look like they have, they're a team that, you know, can get it done, right? And I always like to subscribe to, I think those older, the older players, you know, where your top maybe three, four scores are juniors, seniors, great backcourt. 
hopefully some size in the front court. That is always something that um, that can play in March and really on, on any stage. And I want to talk about this really quickly. I'm not a TikTok guy, but I did find this dude on TikTok who he's making some pretty, he's got some pretty interesting videos and they're all sort of ba based on um, some really deep sort of research and some, some statistics, but I want to, I want to just highlight what he made for his Cinderella pick. So this is some of the criteria. We'll just blow through it really quickly. So since 2002, 94% of tournaments have had at least one double digit seed in the sweet 16. That's just and that 94%. That's just one tourney in the last 12, no, excuse me, 20 years uh, that hasn't had a double digit seed in the sweet 16. So certainly look out for that. 92% have been 10 to 12 seeds, 81%. Their top three scores have been juniors and seniors. Like I mentioned, 85% win the turnover margin. So you want to, you want to look at teams that don't turn the ball over and 62% were in the Ken, Ken Palm top 50. So for those of you at home who are still not quite sure what kind of Cinderella's you're looking to pick with that criteria, these are the teams that fit that Colgate Winthrop, my guys, UCSB, the Gauchos and Drake and Wichita state who are actually playing in the first four tonight. So out of those four, Andrew, who do you like to make a deep run into the suite? At least, into the sweet 16 out of those four of the four of the four and you're gonna like this ryan i'm, I'm picking ucsb which is a combination of them being good yes but sir also they have a very favorable matchup they do I think, I think a lot of people are expecting ohio to beat virginia because virginia hasn't practiced in a week and it's also ohio is just a good team that's a team i don't think anyone wanted to draw so you get a team without practice and then we also know virginia has a history of losing two bad teams in the tournament i don't there's one glaring example I'm thinking of. I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. So I think that's a favorable matchup. And then if UCSB happens to play Ohio, I mean, there's guaranteed to be a double-digit team in the in the field there in the Sweet 16. So I like UCSB, but I also really like Winthrop. I actually think they're going to beat Villanova. That's a that's a but I just don't know if they're going to beat Purdue, who's the matchup they would have in that bracket. So that's why I'm going to go with UCSB as the team to beat in terms of making the Sweet 16 as a double-digit seed. I absolutely love it. And I do think you're right. I'm looking over that sort of that left side of the bracket that has a chance to get messy. You mentioned Virginia. Virginia is not even in Indiana yet. They, they won't be able to get there until Friday. So tomorrow and they, they won't be able to practice until Saturday morning. And that's if they pass all the, the protocols and their game Saturday night. So they are definitely right for the picking. I still think they get by Ohio, but I do think UCSB has more than enough to get to where they need to be. It, and I want to give a shout out to Ohio's Jason Preston there. He's, he's, he's had a lot of uh, a pub around him, somebody who's a walk-on really no, no, um, no offers for D one. And here he is walking on to Ohio and he's, he's their leading scorer. And a lot of people have been talking about him. So certainly if you're looking to kind of pick out a team, who's got a guy who can carry them, that'd be Jason Preston with Ohio. But I still think, I don't know, Virginia, I, as much as I want to pick against them, I still think somehow they're going to, you know, play the old rallying cry, right? It's us against everybody else. Uh, you know, we're not, we don't even get, we're the last team who's getting into Indiana and we're going to be the last team to leave, you know, that whole kind of spiel. But I, I do think that that West region there is, is kind of ripe for a, a lot of, um, a lot of mayhem. I also think, you know, Michigan, if we're looking down in the East, this is, this is more of a upset alert, but I think they could be in trouble without Isaiah Livers. It looks like he's going to probably be out for the rest of this, the season. He's going to miss the tourney. Reports are that it would be miraculous if he came back. So, you know, look out for them as maybe a potential top seed to, uh, to get bounced early. All right. So we've got our Cinderella's. 
let's let's focus on players. So we, we mentioned Jason Preston from Ohio. He's exciting. There are a lot of big time, big name players, but there's also some guys who maybe people don't know about who 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 deserve a little bit of pub. Who who are you looking out and who are you looking out for as far as players in the tourney? I mean, I'm gonna name a guy, but everyone knows who I'm who it is. So it's not as like a you know hidden gem, but it's Cade Cunningham. Oh, I, wow. I tell you what, just kind of going back to what I was saying. <laughs> no, but I, I understand. But like my argument is like when you watch him play, he just has that it factor. Like I watched Cade Cunningham play in college and I'm like, he's going to be a 10 time NBA all-star, yeah. let alone, you know, Naismith player of the year or backup, whatever, if Luca Garza wins it. But like he just has something to him where I'm like, he single-handedly could carry Oklahoma State to a national title game. Like he's really that good. And so that's why I'm picking him, even though he's the obvious choice. Like everyone knows Cade Cunningham, but like, Evan Mobley is another guy that's like a top potential pick, but I don't see him taking USC to maybe the Sweet 16, depending on their matchups and what happens. But like Cade Cunningham is that dynamic that I'm like, like if Oklahoma State was in every single game and he has a chance to win it down the stretch, I'm taking Cade Cunningham more times than I'm not. Yeah, he certainly subscribes to that. You know, if if one player can take over in in clutch moments in the tournament, Cade Cunningham is that guy. And I, you know, watching Oklahoma State, what they've done in the last you know couple weeks, beating Baylor, beating some really really good teams, making a run in the Big Twelve into the Big Twelve championship game in the tournament. You know, I, I thought they got hosed. Uh, they are definitely not a four seed in my opinion, and especially with West Virginia, a team I think they've beaten twice, getting a three seed. Uh, Liberty is kind of a trendy pick to upset the Cowboys. I think that Cade Cunningham and, and the rest of those guys, that's, they have too much. Um, but that, that would be interesting. I, I'm going to give a quick shout out to, to my Gauchos. It's, it's Ja'Cory McLaughlin. He's a six, four guard shoots the lights out. He's the big West player of the year. That's a dude who I think can, if, if it's close in the waning moments, He's going to be a guy who can put the Gauchos over the top. So definitely looking forward to Corey McLaughlin. Also, my guy, Luca Garza, possibly the, the, the player of the year in college basketball from Iowa. Now, Garza, I want to get your take on Garza because we talked about the eye test a little bit earlier, right? Garza's putting up monster numbers. He's going to be top five for player of the year. A lot of people are saying, you know, he is not built to succeed in the NBA. And if I watch him, I mean, that's a dude who I'd see at a pickup game. And I'd be like, I don't want that guy on my team. Like he can barely move. He is slow. He just looks tired all the time, but at the same time, he, he just gets buckets. I mean, the dude can shoot from three. He can, he can stretch the floor. He can make any move in the post. He's an interesting thought. I mean, what, what is your idea of not only for Garza in the tournament, but maybe next level? Well, I think he's an incredible college player. And if he wins Naismith, you know, player of the year, no one's going to bat an eye. No one's going to argue. But I don't think he's cut out for the NBA at all. Um, and I, I think a great comp for him, I know I bring up North Carolina a lot, is actually Tyler Hansborough. Yeah. Tyler Hansborough was a quote-unquote center, even though he was like 6'8", 6'9". And he did the same thing. He just did all the dirty work, got rebounds. He'd score all his points from the free throw line. And then he'd give you 10, 12 points, you know, in the, in the paint every night. And that's how he'd end up with 30 points. And incredible college player if you actually asked I would say he's the best UNC player ever in terms of just his career at the school obviously wow. there's Michael Jordan but in terms of what he accomplished in a UNC jersey he's the most accomplished and I think Luka Garza follows that in a lot of the same ways he is just his skill set's perfect for the college game and then like UNC played Iowa early in the season and I know that's early he's not at all reached his full potential and UNC even though they're very raw have a lot of young guys 
have players with NBA bodies. They have four or five guys that are each seven feet tall. And it was by far Luka Garza's worst game of the year. He was effective, but he was not a game changer. They did not win that game by anything that he contributed. They were shooting from the outside really well. That's why they won. But just having the physical seven footers, he could not do what he normally does. And so I don't look at him doing that in the NBA on a nightly basis and succeeding. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. You mentioned Tyler Hansbrough. That's definitely one that came to mind. Also, Cody Zeller of, of Indiana fame, who was insane, and everybody thought he was going to be you know, top, top level in the NBA, and he's really just kind of been a, a, a mid-tier player at best. But also one other player I want to shout out because the name is great, the look is great, the swagger is great. It's Ayo Desumu from, from Illinois. He's got the Batman mask. Some of the reports were saying that you know he, he refused to take off the mask anywhere he went. He's showering with it. He's going to class. He's 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 doing everything in the mask. So respect to a guy like that who just he's he's all in to win. And uh, and Illinois is definitely going to be a tough out in the tourney. So let's move on to one matchup that is especially juicy for you and me. It's that eight nine game. It's Wisconsin North Carolina. I'm a Wisconsin fan. You're a UNC fan. Now we could sit here all day, and you can make a case for your guy for the Tar Heels why they're going to win. I can make a case for the Badgers, but that's no fun. So let's play a little flip flop. Why don't you go ahead and make a case for why Wisconsin's going to beat North Carolina in that in first round? Wisconsin's going to win because they have been through the battle tested Big Ten this year, which is super important. Every single conference game for this year, this year they're playing Iowa, Illinois. Ohio State, Michigan, all two times. And I don't think they actually beat any of those teams, but they were all close games. They can play with them. And the fact that they're doing this on a nightly basis means they're going to be very battle-tested. And knowing North Carolina, they have a lot of talent, but it's raw, and they have a lot of inexperience. Even though they have Roy Williams on the sidelines, none of these players, with the exception of Leaky Black and Garrison Brooks, have ever even played in a tournament game. And I just don't think they're going to immediately translate to immediate success their first tournament game especially against a veteran team like Wisconsin that is extremely battle tested even if they didn't necessarily win every game they had against the marquee opponent yeah battle tested but losing most of those those tough battles all right here's why UNC is going to win this game you mentioned you know they've got that youthful exuberance we talked a little bit earlier about how you know making that bed with with younger players and especially kind of a, a shortened weird season coming off of a canceled season you kind of wonder what's going to happen with those young guys, but I saw what they did in the ACC tournament and they are peaking at the exact right time. This is, this is a team that can kill you on the boards. They're youthful. They can, if they can shoot the ball decently, not just well, but decently, they'll pound you on the boards. They'll kill you. They can force Wisconsin who doesn't usually turn the ball over a lot. I think the quickness of of UNC and their guards is going to be a problem um, for the likes of Dimitri Trice and and, uh, Brad Davidson over there at Wisconsin. So I do think that if Wisconsin loses the battle on the boards and they keep giving up second chance points, uh, they're going to be in big, big trouble. So that's why the Tar Heels are going to win, but we all know that uh, the Badgers are actually going to win that game. (laughs) Oh man. All right. What else we got? Oh, we've got our guest. Fantastic. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and get, get right to our interview here with Drew Schaefer-Crookston from the West Coast Gamblers. All right, our guest today is Drew Schaefer-Crookston, a.k.a. Schaefer the Sharp. He's the co-host of West Coast Gamblers, the only podcast that makes you money. What's up, Drew? How are you, man? Ryan, Andrew, thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's March Madness. It's like Christmas Eve, baby. I'll tell you what, man. Christmas Eve that we had to wait almost two years for, so it's extra sweet this year. But hey, 
I cannot wait to get into some of these uh, these bets that you have for for March Madness and for any of those folks. We have a lot of degenerate listeners, so anybody looking to make some money, you're going to want to tune in real real closely here. So let's go region by region. Let's uh, give me some of your best bets, some some good spreads that you're targeting here. What's uh, what should we be looking out for? Sure, we'll go. Uh, we'll start on the top left, which is the West. Obviously, Gonzaga, the number one overall seed, undefeated, 26-0. Um, the all world Zags now. Guys, I'm not a big future ticket guy in the NCAA tournament. I'm, I subscribe to the mechanical parlay, which means take a money line, roll it over every game. I think you get more bang for your buck there. However, you look at Gonzaga's region here. They got uh, Creighton, who's certainly not playing their best basketball. Uh, Virginia and Kansas team that have COVID concerns. They're actually, I believe, uh, as we speak, quarantined right now. And Iowa team, that who, they, who they've already beat. So I really like Gonzaga's path to the Final Four here. And my first, like, kind of prop bet for the overall tournament, you know, you can get Gonzaga to make the Final Four to come out of the West at minus 230. I'm going to lead with that. I really like that. I know you got to pay $2.30 to win a buck. But I'm all over the Zags here to come out of the West. I think they can kind of, especially their first three games, not really be challenged, uh, whether they play Oregon or Iowa or Kansas in the bottom half of that bracket, or USC even. I, I'm, not, I'm not concerned, so. My big bet for this region, Gonzaga, minus 230 to come out of the region. Now, if we're talking first first, um, first round games, my best bet for this region, I'm going to go with the Ohio Bobcats, guys. I live in Big Ten country, and uh, I also went to Western Michigan University. I'm a proud Mac alum. Go so I'm gonna, yeah, go Broncos, baby. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to represent the Bobcats here in the Mac. Now, as a sharp, I'm supposed to get the best number, right? And this line opened at 10. It was gobbled up by professionals. It got down to seven and a half. I laid seven and a half. I like Ohio to potentially win straight up, but I love getting the points. I mean, look, this Virginia team, certainly not the same team that won the national championship, losing three pros. And I just like the mid-American champs to shoot the ball in a slow, in a potentially low scoring, kind of a quiet paced game. I love Ohio here. I really do. Um, so that's my best bet of the region. I'm going to lay Ohio plus seven and a half. We, we actually talked about that matchup specifically. So I have another question kind of going along. What do you, what do you think about picking, you know, one of either Ohio or UCSB to make it to the sweet 16? Is that a bet you'd follow, especially because Creighton didn't play well in their big East championship game, UCSB's rolling. And then also, like you just said, there's a very good chance there's a, you know, double digit matchup in the round of 32. What do you like there? It hasn't even made it to India. They're still waiting. They haven't even. Oh got- yeah. I mean, I mean, think about it guys. I mean, like, you know, as the walk-ons, I'm not sure what your guys' playing experience, but imagine not practicing and showing up to new venue and, and it's just, and especially without that energy. I mean, Virginia, you got to think Virginia just came off not only, let's not forget winning national championship. The year before that, they were knocked out as a one seed, as, as the, the only one seed ever to get knocked out of the 16. So they've, they've experienced the highest and highs and lowest lows. I can't imagine that energy is going to be matched. So I love Ohio. And to your point, Andrew, I actually have UCSB advancing. That's a game that I also like against the spread. It's probably my second pick of the region. But, yes, I have UCSB and Ohio, a 12-13 second-round matchup. So, by default, one of those teams is going to the Sweet 16. I love it. Those are my gauchos. That's my alma mater. So, I love hearing you say that, Drew. That's beautiful. That's music to my ears, man. And, and to go on kind of what we talked about with that kind of that flat uh, quarantine feeling, you know, Kansas played an Eastern Washington team. And Eastern Washington – you know, not many people know much about them. I think Kansas, again, again, potentially comes out flat. Now, East, they're laying about 10 and a half. I really like Eastern Washington. Uh, I lean for the whole game, but I really like Eastern Washington first half here, plus five and a half. Bill Self has been known, 
these Kansas tournament teams have been known to kind of sleepwalk, sleepwalk the first 20 minutes. I'm going to probably sprinkle something on Eastern Washington plus five and a half here uh, in the first round matchup against the Jayhawks. I love that little sprinkle. All right, let's move down to the bottom left. Let's move down to the East. What do you got there? Well, like I said, boys, I'm a proud uh, Michigander, a uh, root for the Wolverines, Western grad. So this is my, this is my team, the number one seed Michigan Wolverines 24. Now I'm not sure you can answer. You can answer me. Have you guys heard anybody, one person, uh, your mother, your pet dog, has anyone selected Michigan to go to the final four? Anyone, anyone? No, we actually hit on this earlier, Drew. I think that Isaiah Livers injury is going to have a huge impact. And I, I, I don't see them making it to the final four. I, I, I totally agree with you, Ryan. And Isaiah Livers is an absolute huge integral piece. Now I've heard that there might be a chance he gets back for the second weekend. So my point is, I think Michigan is kind of undervalued here. And I know that people aren't giving them much, much chance to get to the final four without Isaiah Livers. I'm going to give you one player to kind of keep your eye on. The junior from Michigan who's going to replace Livers is a 6'8 kid named Brandon Johns Jr. We poached him right out of the backyard of Izzo land in East Lansing. The dude can absolutely play, man. He's kind of been kind of a forgotten bench guy the last three years. I think this could be Johns Jr. time to shine. We see it time and time over again in the tournament. Players kind of come from unheralded positions to superstardom. So let's keep an eye on that name, Brandon Johns Jr. As far as this bracket, you know, <clears throat> do you guys remember the last time? Maybe, well, no, it was Zion year. So John Morant, right? All-world uh, player for Murray State gets a big gets a big win in the first round. The second time, uh, the second round game, they played a Florida State team led by Leonard Hamilton. And the Florida State Seminoles wiped the floor with them. Why? Florida State is deep. They have 10 guys that average between four and 12 points a game. That is just depth all over the place. They're long. They're strong. They play a UNC Greensboro team that basically would be like us as the walk-ons playing against guys similar to our skill set, similar to our size, similar to our speed. And then all of a sudden walking in against men. I think UNC Greensboro is in for a rude awakening. I love laying the Seminoles here. I'm going to lay the wood having Florida State minus 10. It's my best bet of this region in the first round. We're going to go Florida State. I was at 10 and a half. I paid a little bit of, paid a couple cents for the 10. I think I got it at minus 122. So I'm going to rock out at Florida State minus 10 for my best bet. I love that. We actually, I actually have, we haven't revealed our final four picks yet, but uh, I have Florida state actually, actually coming out of that region. I think Scotty Barnes is, he's a freshman phenom. He's going to be a top 10, top 15 pick in the NBA draft. That, that's a, that's a great pick out. So that you like the Seminoles heavy over UNC Greensboro. I, I, I do. I just think, you know, and I'll get to another pick uh, when we go to the Midwest. I think, I think you really got to look out for some of these matchups where, you know, these small schools, of course, they're good teams, but, I mean, sometimes the physical discrepancies of these players are just different, you know, and, and, and they, they can play as hard as they want or play as good as they want. But at the end of the day, I think size and skill does matter at this level. Um, a game I'm going to kind of give a, a go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. Uh, it, it might be the same game. I was going to ask you before we moved on to the next region. What do you think of this Colorado Georgetown game? That is a game or I was took the words out of your mouth because I, I'm, I'm from Colorado originally, not a CU Buffs fan per se, but I keep an eye on them and they seem built for a tournament run, but then they're playing Georgetown who just had this great big East run. And I think it's kind of, you know, one of those, like a rock and a hard place. You're going to, one of those teams is going to have to fall. That's really hot. What do you think's going on there? I dude, we're, we're on the same wavelength, Andrew. I, 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 I was going to give a huge red flag to this game. If you're back in the Hoyas, because listen, 
Georgetown obviously had a great run in that Big East tournament, but they beat a Villanova team that we'll talk about later. That's basically a shell of the former selves. And I think everyone's kind of praising Patrick Ewing as they're going to make this deep tournament run. My opinion of the Hoyas, I think they're kind of fat and happy as is. Um, they really can't play much better than they did. I think when a team's playing that well, you kind of want them to, to play in rhythm. Now you get, you know, the travel, uh, five, six days off, and you got to play a Colorado team. I definitely lean Colorado here for sure. I have them advancing in my bracket, absolutely. I kind of like them with the points. Um, I would say far, far away from Georgetown if you're thinking about uh, laying the points or advancing your bracket. I do like Colorado here, Andrew. Another school that I'm, I'm going to be keeping my close eye on is the UConn game. Um, you know, Maryland plays in the Big Ten, which is obviously, I can, I'm a little biased, but I think it's the premier conference in college basketball. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting first-round matchup with Maryland. Uh, typically, if you get a tournament team like Maryland who finished under 500 in their own conference, which they did, uh, historically, they do not fare well in the first round of the tournament. I think if UConn gets past that game, they are alive to make a run. I like I like what Danny Hurley's doing over there. Um, I like that team. I think they're a scrappy bunch. So that's a team that I might uh, I might sprinkle something on. And obviously, the winner tonight of Michigan State and uh, UCLA, I think the winner of that game, regardless who it is, is certainly going to be live to give BYU all they want as well. Yeah, I like that too. I think BYU is way overseeded at six. That, that is definitely a game to look at. And I don't know, I, I wish I had the stat in front of me, but in my memory serves, I mean, at least four or five out of the last six, seven years, one of those teams who played at that 11 slot, the, the play-in game, they went on to to make the Sweet 16. There's so, been a double-digit team in the Sweet 16, I think. I think some, like, okay. yeah, last eight years or six out of seven or something like that. Absolutely. That's a good one to target, absolutely. All right, let's move to the top right. Let's go to the South region. What do you like there? So I'm going to start with my red flag game. You know, I just talked about Villanova and, and you know, I, I certainly think that they are, um, they're not, they're not a team that's coming in on, on a high point. And obviously we all know about the injury to their stud point guard. However, um, I have, once again, I've not heard anybody, anybody give them any kind of credit. And if we know that, sitting here all week they certainly know that we're still talking about jay wright a, a program that won two national championships last six years i just am a little weird i still lean winthrop here with the points and originally i had him through in my bracket i definitely lean winthrop winthrop i just think i think it's kind of a press pause on this game it would not surprise me at all to see jay wright and villanova just kind of wear them down and win comfortably so that's a game i'm probably going to stay away stay away from i like two games here a lot guys in the first round um my first one look if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Roy Williams never lost in the first round. I, I, I can't see why he's going to do it now. This Wisconsin team is certainly not what this isn't. You know, this is a Sam Keller, uh, Frank the Tank, uh, Nigel Hayes, Wisconsin team that, you know, beat an undefeated Kentucky. This Wisconsin team is tough to watch. It's like pulling teeth. And, you know, obviously Carolina has a freshman backcourt and Wisconsin's got that veteran backcourt. But I think Carolina dominates here on um in the front court and i think they're actually the pace of play in this game actually is conducive uh for north carolina so i like north carolina laying the one and a half or the two whatever i don't think it's gonna be that close another game that i really like i like uh i like the boilermakers man this north texas team i think i think the last the last three halves sorry the last seven halves that they have played their combined point point total with their point opponent is and they're averaging like 52 and a half points um, and everything's been under 60. This team is offensively challenged. Now Purdue can kind of play any pace 
they, they can dictate the pace that they want. I just think this is a game where Purdue, North Texas has to literally play a perfect game, and that's just to stay in it. I think Purdue, especially, let's not forget, guys, the familiar, uh, <clears throat> the familiarity with you know the the surrounding gyms. Purdue's obviously a local team. Um, I'm sure that most most of these Big Ten teams have played these venues before. So I lean the under in this game. I'll talk about that in a minute, but I lean uh, Purdue here pretty hard. I'll make that my best bet. Actually, I don't lean. I like. I like the Boilermakers minus seven and a half to get it done against the North Texas Mean Green. And boys, get excited. I'm playing my first alternate spread of the tournament. My oh, first alternate on. spread, <laughs> the Baylor Bears, okay? They're like 25 and a half point favorites against Hartford. My co-host, Tony Square, so I think you guys know from the West Coast Gamblers. Yep. Uh, Hartford's front court is basically Drew, Drew Crooks and Ryan Reeves and Andrew Schuster. That's basically who <laughs> Baylor's playing. And uh, not to, you know, not to degrade us too much. Yeah, man, I'm taller but... than I look on screen, you know? <laughs> but, but again, <laughs> you I, I, I don't think we can go compete with Baylor's front court, Ryan. I just don't. No, uh, so, you know, this is, I really think this is a name your score game for Baylor. I think they really could, um, I might sprinkle something on the first half. I think they could be up by over 20 in the first half. But at DraftKings, you can play an alternate line here. I think the line right now is 25 you can play baylor minus 29 and a half at plus 140 um i really like that pick here i think of all the 116s i mean you see it every year the one seed gets out 20 plus at halftime they just kind of coast rest their starters they don't want to show much for the next game they know they're getting scouted i think baylor's coming in here besides michigan with the injury problems probably the, I, th I think they're actually looking to work this game kind of get in a rhythm uh, because I think they know, especially if it's UNC, they're going to have a battle in their second round. So I'm going to play an alternate spread here. I'm going to say Baylor minus 29 and a half at plus 135, I believe. That's right. Yeah. No, sorry. Sorry. Plus 143. Plus 143. I love it. I love it. Yeah. The, I, I, I'm with you, man. I think we ride the Baylor Baylors. They're, they're going to come out. That's an older team, a team that is deep. They are, they can shoot the ball pretty much from all five positions. That is, that's a, that's a great pick. I I'm with you on that one. All right. I have a game I want to ask you about, though. I yeah. want to ask you about the Arkansas Colgate first round matchup because everybody loves Colgate. Everybody's yeah. We were talking earlier about like certain like, you know, statistics to hone in on when you're picking a Cinderella or an upset. And Colgate's one of those teams that everyone is, is at the top of that list. And honestly, I watched Arkansas last week in the SEC championship or the week of. And honestly, they left a lot to be desired, in, at least in my eyes. And so I, it's. You know, when I'm looking through the bracket and going, what is one of the, you know, double-digit seeds I want to pick to win that no one's expecting? Like you said, everyone's picking Colgate. Are you on board with that? Uh, my other co-host, Dangles from the West Coast Gamblers, actually pointed this out to me, which I wasn't aware of. Colgate, do you guys know how many opponents they've played this year? Probably, like, they're about to find eight, out. <laughs> they played five opponents this year. Five opponents. There you go. They've played five opponents. Now, again, they're 14-1. They're Yep. And, and, and they can score the basketball. There's no doubt they can score. They're a good team. However, like we talked about, with the speed and athleticism, I think it's going to be a shock to their system uh, when they get the Razorbacks coming in, running, and gunning. I love I, – I think Colgate can stay with them if they play their game. However, my best bet for this game – I actually wrote this down. Um, I actually wrote this down, Andrew, so thank you for, for, for reminding me. I actually like Arkansas's team total here at 84 and a half, and I'm playing the over. I, I think this team scores 45 points each half here. They might get in triple digits. So I'm not going to mess with Colgate. I'm certainly not going to take them to win. If anything, it's Arkansas pass because, like I said, 
the quality of opponents that Colgate has played have just been weak. And again, in this, in you know, they can shoot the ball, they can score absolutely. But I think for all intents and purposes, uh, we're going pig suey here, boys. Pig suey, I like it. All right, let's put a bow on this thing. What do you like in this in this in Midwest? So the Midwest, <clears throat> the Midwest is probably my most interesting bracket. I loved Georgia Tech um, early before the news uh, that the ACC Player of the Year. Uh, Moses was out. That's unfortunate. Um, so now we might have to deal with some more Sister Jean content, which is, you know, not here or there. We'll just we'll just deal with that. Um, so, but my best bet in this, uh, I've, I have a lot of leans here. I lean Syracuse plus the three. I lean Rutgers uh, minus the two. Um, I, I, th- th- those are pretty heavy leans for me. Uh, however, my best bet in this region, and we've heard it before, uh, you've heard it before for me talking about just a mismatch and just kind of playing bully ball. You know, Cleveland State is a school that is is pretty close to me. They play in the Horizon League. I'm pretty familiar with uh, with their school and that team. Um, they haven't played a team like Houston, and Houston can absolutely uh, stranglehold you if they get up. They are kind of a bully team. They don't. They like to run it up, and they're not going to like hold anything back. Houston's minus twenty. Now that is a lot to lay. I get it. That is a lot to lay. However, that's going to be my best bet this region. I like the Houston Cougars minus 20 to dismantle Cleveland state. I think, uh, I think this game gets out of hand and I think Houston wins by 25 plus. Yeah. Houston's a nice team. Not a lot of size on that team, but they really just are from one through five. They just beat you up all night long. It's, it's a brutal thing to watch when you're the other side. Well, you saw, you saw in the, in the AAC championship game, right? They got up and they just, they're like a boa constrictor, man. They do not let up. And a team like a Cleveland state, you know, they don't have necessarily even, I mean, and, and you got to wonder too, guys. I mean, th- this is something I think no one's talking about, you know, in this, in this 2021 bubble NCAA tournament, I, I am curious. And again, I, I don't know the answer. This is more of a question for you guys too. If these teams, unlike, you know, years past where they have, you know, their traveling party and they have their families in the stands and the student body and the band and everything. I am just curious if Cleveland stays down by like 15 at halftime, and they're quarantined in a hotel room, getting shitty food by the NCAA, not being able to see anyone. I mean, are they motivated to go out and, and make it a game in the second half? I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, do they just roll over? I think that's going to be really fascinating to watch because they're not getting that energy from, from their traveling party, from the band, like we said. And especially if you're not a senior, I mean, hell, they won their conference tournament. They got to the – that's kind of their apex. They're fat and happy. I just wonder if we're going to see a lot of these low seats uh, not really fight in the second half. I'm going to be watching that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I actually think about a couple of years ago, you, you mentioned this when UVA is the one seed fell to UMBC. I remember seeing, you know, in the crowd that UMBC fan base was going insane. I mean, there, there's nothing as somebody who's played sports all my life as well. Like you cannot account and you cannot fabricate what a fan base brings to you and the energy and feeding off of that and having that sort of, you know, kind of around you in the environment when, when you're, you know, all these, all these places that are going to be hosting the games, capacity, 12% capacity, depending on where you're at. That's not a lot of room to bring your traveling party, like you said, or the band or the cheerleaders or your family. Yeah, I I do think that's going to be a very interesting thing when a team is is kind of down and out. Where do you find that that sort of next level to try and and make it a game? Might be be some live betting opportunities here with that in the second half of these games. You can try to read a team's body language. Um, If they're not, if they're not competing, you might, you might want to keep fading because typically what we see in these, especially these first round high seed matchups is you see it all the time. I mean, 
I've been going to Vegas for 13 years for this tournament. And you see all the time people rush to the window to try to take that underdog, you know, lane, they're down by 20 and they're, they're plus two and a half in the, in the second half. And so many times that, that plus two and a half in the second half comes down to a last possession and to walk on, no pun intended, literally firing a corner three. It's just incredible. Or tip, you know, every, there's nothing like being in a Vegas sports book when you're, you're, you're trying to win a minus 24 and a half ticket. And there's, there's volleyball at the rim with five seconds left down 20, 20, 25. It's just, yeah, incredible, you know, stops. it's like going down on a road uh, through with a 500 foot drop. It's, it's wild, dude. So, um, I'm looking forward to it, but, um, yeah, that would be, I'm going to make my best bet, um, in that region, Houston minus the 20 in the first half. Like I said, I love G tech. Uh, I saw that line's almost up to six. Now I think it's all the way up to six. I might t- take G tech anyway. Uh, even without their play, I think that's too high, but I like Houston here minus 20 to get it done. Like it. I like it. Well, I know also I've got some notes here that you got some ju- juicy prop bets for us as well. What, what's, uh, what's sticking out to you? I love it. Well, so the, the the first prop I like, I, I really like this Purdue team, and, and and I like them to win their first game, and I like them to win their second game against the Winthrop or Villanova. So you can get Purdue to advance the Sweet 16 at even money, plus 100. I think it's a really, really solid bet. I like it. Um, I laid it. So I like Purdue in the Sweet 16 at plus 100. I already talked about uh, my Gonzaga bet um, at minus 230 coming out of the West. I really like that. Um Something I'm going to sprinkle on here. I like the Ducks, the Oregon Ducks, to make the regional final. Um, you can get that at five to one. Um, I, I think when you look at the Ducks, uh, their second round matchup, they match up well against Iowa. Um, I think if they play um, the winner of USC Kansas, uh, I think they can handle them too. So I think you're getting a lot of value there at Iowa, uh, or sorry, at Oregon at plus 500 to reach the regional final. Um, <laughs> My favorite bet of the entire tournament, and again, this is where um, hopefully down the road when we're all podcast famous and uh, have, you know, pillowcases of money, um, we can we can make this bet. But I, I literally, I actually talked about this to Gina Paradiso in the Extra Points podcast, uh, Hoops Edition, check it out. Um, my favorite bet of the whole tournament, and it's so, it sucks because you have to lay, it's minus a thousand, but it can't lose. In fact, if it loses, I promise to tear my clothes, throw dirt in my eyes, and bury my head in the sand for the rest of my life. But you can actually bet no one seed to lose the first round. So that's a four-team, one-seed parlay for all 16 seeds at minus 1,000, meaning you have to risk $1,000 to win 100 bucks. I think it's the easiest $100 you ever make in your life. I, 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 know, I, I know the juice may not be worth the squeeze, but I literally think that is the easiest $100 you'll make in your life. I think the reason that even this juice is so low at minus 1,000 is simply because, like what you said, Ryan, Virginia lost to UMBC a couple years back, and it's completely, it's completely made this price doable. I mean, you look at that Virginia team, they're playing a pack line defense, a half-court, low-possession, low-variance offense. That team was built. That team was built and created to lose as a one seed. They just were. You look at teams this year, a Zaga, an Illinois, a Michigan, a Baylor, where I talked about Hartford, those teams aren't losing. In fact, I would take a parlay. I would take minus 20 and parlay all those spreads. So I know it's kind of irrelevant. I'm not sure if much of our listener base is, is going to be laying $1,000 to win 100 uh, or even 10 bucks to win a buck. Hey, I don't know. But don't, I, you know. Don't give them too much credit here. They might. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, that's my favorite 
prop of uh, of the week. And I'm putting myself out there because, you know, if that loses, I'm going to be in trouble. But um, I, I really think, I mean, I, I saw that on DraftKings and I thought it was a mistake. I thought it was minus 10,000. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's obviously makes sense. 10,000 to win 100. But it's literally minus 1,000. I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's doable. We touched on this a little bit before you jumped on, Drew, is uh, there is that sort of inherent lack of the Blue Bloods and the, the big names on the, those top seed lines, the ones, the twos. But I do think with that said, it, it's probably one of the most top heavy tournaments maybe in the last 10, 20 years. It's, it's just there are four to six teams that are clearly better than everybody else. And most of those exist on the one and two lines. Yeah. And, and again, we, I think the matchups too, I mean, like, like, for example, like, you know, Texas, like Albion and Christian, I don't think they're going to beat Texas, but they remind me a lot of that, that Eastern or sorry, that Mississippi um, middle Tennessee state team that beat Sparty as a 15 seed. Yep. They just got athletes all over the place. Right. And I think, I think they could give Texas a game. Absolutely. Um, but they're a 14 seed, these 16 seeds. I mean, I just watched, some of that Mount St. Mary's Texas Southern game and that game was not suitable for for children because it, it was, was disgusting it was, brutal. It, was disgu- it was disgusting it was not good content um and you know we I you already know my feeling about Baylor and Hartford I don't think Illinois is in Drexel so that's just something that's just something I saw that I had to share because it's ridiculous I mean minus a thousand I, I just think you know I don't know if you got your stimulus check, but you got it I think that's an easy 100 140 bucks man just roll it over roll it over <laughs> Hey, listen, Drew, we've already taken about 25 minutes of your time. I appreciate you. Are there any closing thoughts for the folks out there who are looking, uh, you know, for maybe that one last nugget to get them over the top and get them in the green? Well, how about uh, I'll go, I'll go quickly, guys, if you want. I'll give you my favorite totals of the first round. Let's do it. Um, okay, cool. Um, so a couple leans I have uh, on totals. I like a couple unders here. I like the Virginia Tech Florida under 135. I think that's a sloppy game and a very – a very uh, low possession game, half court offense. Another game I like, um, Texas Tech, Utah State. Andrew, we've talked about, you know, popular upset picks. Utah State is a very popular pick uh, to beat Texas Tech. Um, I kind of lean Utah State here plus the four, but what I love there is the under. I do love the under 135. Um, I'll make that my best, sorry, under 132. Texas Tech, Utah State, under 132. I think that's my favorite uh, under of the whole first round. You look at these teams, they play tough physical defense. Utah State's got some size, and I think both teams want to play slow. Um, you already know my feeling about Purdue and North Texas. I lean the under there, 126 and a half. But, hey, we can't just bet unders. Let's root for some points. So what is my best over of the first round? I'm going to it. It's my arch rival. Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah. The Ohio, State, the Ohio State Fuckeyes uh, versus <laughs> Oral Bob, okay? So – we got the Ohio State Fuckeyes versus Oral Bob, uh, and their total is <laughs> Oral Bob. That's a hell of a name. Um, their, their total is 157, boys, and I'm predicting points, points, points. This is my this is my Cold Stone Creamery over because I don't like it. I don't love it. I got to have it. Let's go. <laughs> we are going for the points, baby. 157, the Ohio State Fuckeyes versus Oral Bob. I think that's going to be – Easy in the 160s. Ohio State literally could drop 100 on them. They can score the ball. So that's going to be my favorite over the first round. Yeah, and from here on out, it, it's Oral Bob. It's no longer Oral Roberts. They don't exist. It's Oral Bob all day, baby. <laughs> it's, Oral, it's, it's Oral Bob, man. That's what it is. <laughs> well, listen, man, I, I really appreciate the time. This was some good good insight, man. This was really good content. But we got Drew Schaefer-Crookston on, Schaefer the Sharp. 
Yeah, he's the co-host, West Coast Gamblers. Make sure you check it out if you want to win some money. It's the best podcast out there for, for you gamblers, you degenerates. So, hey, Drew, you're the man. I appreciate the time, brother. Ryan, thanks for having me. Andrew, thanks for having me. And good luck, and let's win some bets, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah, let's put some money in our pockets over, Bob. All right. Our thanks to our guest, Drew Schaefer-Crookston, co-host of the West Coast Gamblers, the only podcast that makes you money. That is one of the best podcasts out there. So if you haven't seen it, check it out for sure. All right, Andrew, we've pretty much beaten March Madness to death. I could probably go another four or five hours, but nobody here needs to be subjected to that. So let's jump over to NFL free agency really quickly. Um, certainly there are a lot of guys still out there, but it's also a feeding frenzy, especially with regards to the Patriots. They're spending some funny money, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, one thing that is interesting from our, from our uh, uber-famous stack guy, Seamus Fennedy, the last five teams to spend over $100 million guaranteed in free agency – None of those guys have won a playoff game. It's 2020 Dolphins, 2019 Jets, 2018 Jets, 2018 Chicago Bears, and the 2016 Giants. So I guess really quickly from that standpoint, you know, what's, what's maybe your favorite, least favorite move? Uh, you know, you could pick anybody from the Patriots, but you know, with all these, these guys changing teams now, what, what, are you, what are you looking at? What do you like uh, from a team standpoint? What do you not like so much? Um, well, unfortunately, I think my favorite move is a team in our division that I am not particularly fond of, which is the Chiefs are signing Joe Thune. I know he's a guard, and last week they released their tackles, and there was the whole issue of, of their offensive line. But when you get a player like Joe Thune, your offensive line's better than what it was. And that was their biggest glaring need in the, in the Super Bowl specifically. So adding him, especially coming from the Patriots, like that dude's a proven champion. He's going to be a great locker room addition for them, unfortunately. Um, the other move I really like is with, uh, with Denver, who just signed Ronald Darby. I know I'm a Broncos fan, and I'm you know, particularly fond of that team. But I think he fits exactly what they're looking for. They needed secondary help. And I'm just reading now that they might go sign Kyle Fuller and pair him with Vic Fangio, which would be deadly if you're rolling out Bryce Callahan, Kyle Fuller, and Ronald Darby as your starting three cornerbacks. I think that immediately you know, elevates Denver's defense back to being kind of a top-10 defense, which you know, doesn't help them if their offense is trash, but at least it solidifies one side of the ball. Yeah, maybe they can shape up Drew Locke in practice, too, and just pick him apart and make him a better player. Who knows? But at, at the risk of being piggybacking on you with a, with a homer pick, I, my favorite deal so far is Trent Williams. Shout out to the Silverback. He got paid. Largest deal in NFL history for an offensive lineman. Six years, $138 million. Uh, it, the Niners needed to shore up the offensive line. They also went out and got Alex Mack to, to shore down the center position from Atlanta. So I think that was a huge, huge move for them, not only for the Niners, but also for Trent Williams. I think if, if I'm picking a my least favorite move, really it's just overall these gaudy contract numbers, right? I mean, you get six years here, Taysom Hill getting $140 million. There is no way in hell that Taysom Hill actually – sees all of that 140 million dollars it's you know it's the nfl there's opt-out clauses everything is voidable uh you know with injuries and all kinds of stuff so this whole sort of ballooning of these multi-year 100 plus million dollar deals that are never going to be realized by any of these players that's that's really my worst move because you, you, get, you get excited you're like wait what this guy's making what and eh, don't worry look two years down the line and he won't even be with the same team anymore so that's my worst move um what else about NFL free agency has stood out to you so far? Obviously, there's still a lot left to go, Andrew, but anything that you're kind of keeping your eye on here? I mean, I'm just underwhelmed, but I also get why I'm underwhelmed with what's happened. It's because they just teams just don't have the money to spend. I know the Patriots are the exception. And again, Bill, if you're, if you're looking, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> but if he's not, I mean, the Patriots are the only team that have really just had a spending frenzy. And like you said, that doesn't always necessarily lead to success. 
So it's just one of those where we're waiting on all the headlines to drop and it's just, it's trinkling in. The guys are waiting for the market value to go down. The one thing I should have mentioned earlier, my least favorite move is also a Broncos thing. How in the hell are you going to let Philip Lindsay walk for nothing? You know, all, they could have given him a second round tender, which would have been like $3 million of their cap space. A two-time 1,000-yard rusher. He's a pro bowler. He's a Colorado kid. Talk about the best player in terms of the fan base rallying around the guy. And they gave him absolutely no respect and let him walk for nothing. And I saw a report this week that he might go to the Chiefs. I mean, that'd be devastating. And power to him. He's going to go to a situation and kill it, especially with this chip on his shoulder. George Payton, I thought, had done a great job as our GM thus far. This was the first move where I went, what the hell are you doing, pal? Other than that, though, yeah, I'm just underwhelmed with kind of the whole league is league-wide, yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, John Elway has certainly proven he knows how to run a team uh, into the ground, but that's either here nor there. Let's go. Let's move on. Let's put a bow on this thing. Let's go dude and dud of the week. I'm going to start with the dud. The dud of the week is actually multiple duds. It's the six tourney refs who were supposed to be working March Madness this year, including a couple of fan favorites, John Higgins and Teddy Valentine, who has never seen himself on TV where he didn't love it. Uh, They got sent home already for going out to dinner with another ref who tested positive. So they are done for the tourney. I'm not sure if it's the refs or the duds, or maybe it's the hotel, because the reason why they went to dinner is the hotel didn't have their rooms ready. I mean, this is March Madness. You should probably have everything ready to go. You, you knew it was going to be in Indiana. Maybe keep your stuff tight. But I don't know if this is a bad omen. The refs can't keep – even the refs can't keep it tight. But in any event, the, those refs, especially Teddy Valentine, I'm looking at you. What the hell are you guys doing? I mean, you're already you, – Attorney hasn't even started. You're already sent home. That's a, that puts a bad taste in my mouth just to get things started. I hope we can get through the tournament all, you know, all in, in one without any refs making any stupid decisions. Yeah, and, and a great pick. I mean, yeah, it's, hopefully it's not a bad omen for the tournament. My dud of the week is uh, just the Chicago Bears front office. I mean, they, they did the biggest home runs being imaginable going for Russell Wilson. Three first-round picks, two starters, and another third-round pick, I believe, in there. Great package. The Seahawks said no. So what is their backup plan? It's Andy Dalton. Talk about the most underwhelming second option. To me, that's just the the Bears, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, white flagging it, saying, all right, we know this season's a bust. We're going to get fired. Let's just, you know, we're going to go through the motions and we'll set up an extra gene with the number one pick. That's a hell of a way to go out. All right, who's your dude of the week? Dude of the week is someone I would never normally pick is dude of the week, and that's LeBron James. He is a great NBA player, but he's not one of my favorite NBA players. But something he did this week outside of the NBA is what I'm giving him props for by becoming the first black owner, not full-time owner, but part of the ownership group of the Boston Red Sox. And I just think it's great for, you know, the colored barrier to be broken, especially in the MLB, which has had the most issues with it. And it doesn't get talked about enough that there really is some things they still need to work on in that sense. So kudos to LeBron for breaking it down. And I, it's odd too, because he's a Yankees fan growing up. So, you know, yeah. it's, Smart investment, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes from that end where he's actually, is he actually going to root for the team he owns? Right. As if Braun didn't own Boston enough already. Now he's got to own one of their, their storied franchises. That's, that's the best, but Hey, Andrew Schuster, you're the man as always, make sure you guys check out our friends over the West coast gamblers. One of the best podcasts out there. If you want to win some money, especially with March madness coming up, that is the place to be. So check that out. West coast gamblers are good friends. And uh, that is going to do it for us today. Walk ons podcast, Thursday, March 18th, everybody enjoy the tourney. It's back. It's March madness. Hope you all win some money. Hope your brackets don't get busted in the first weekend, but we all know that everybody's probably will be including mine. So thanks guys. We'll, we'll see you next time.